Well, good evening, everybody. It's good to be back with you all again, and to be fit to share another little, little word that the Lord has laid in my heart to you all <clears throat> this evening. For everyone on the life boat and to whoever's tuning in, where I'm missing being fit to come along to the prayer meeting, I'm missing each and every one of you. But we continue to pray for to pray for you all in these different days. It's good that the Lord's blessed us with good weather. In this time when we all have to stay indoors and stay shut in for our own safety, the Lord's been good to to give us good weather and we count our blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. You know, I was asking the Lord to lay in my heart a little word for tonight, and on Sunday night, I believe He answered He answered that prayer. In my own little quiet times, I personally have been going through some characters in the bible and i like a good character study and you know i was doing a few character studies and i want tonight i want us to look at a man in scripture who to most of you will be very well known i want to thank you tonight of the disciple thomas and i want us to notice tonight just four things about this man and i think it's very very applicable to the believer especially in our own homes and as we muddle through this lockdown together and we pray that we will come out of the other side of it. <clears throat> if you were to ask yourselves a question tonight, I want you to ask yourself, <clears throat> are you a doubting Thomas? Are you a doubting Thomas? For in these days, we can be filled with awful doubt. But well, I'm going to break in and show you <clears throat> three different little passages of Scripture in the Gospel of John that records what we know of the disciple Thomas. But we'll just ask the Lord to commit this little wee word to our hearts tonight and join by your head with me in a little moment's prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come again around your precious word tonight, Lord, Lord, we thank you for technology and the fact that we can still share your precious word over the airwaves, airwaves this evening, Lord. Lord, I pray for whoever's listening, dear Lord. Lord, you know the needs, dear God, and you know what each person tuned in tonight, Father, needs of ye of thee tonight. Lord, we pray, Lord, that thou would make thy mighty arm bare to them, dear God, that you would stretch forth thy mighty hand upon them, Lord, and you will even as our as our heads on our, the hairs on our head and our needs are different, Lord, so do our needs differ, Lord. So Lord, I just pray, Lord, that each need will be met tonight, that each person will be spoken to in your own special way, that that still small voice of God will speak on even after this little word is finished, Lord. So, Lord, I and Lord, I, I pray, Lord, that what, everything I say would be acceptable in thy sight, Lord, that it wouldn't be for my own glory, Lord. I pray you take away nerves and that you simply speak the message you've laid on my heart, dear God. And we ask it in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen and amen. But we, <clears throat> I want to say, I would believe that there's maybe quite a few Thomases amongst us and if you're listening to us to us tonight we can learn a lot from this disciple of Jesus. Thomas was one of the men called to be a follower of Jesus Christ and from the offset tonight can I ask you is that if you're tuned in to the lifeboat or wherever you might be tuning in can I ask you are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Thomas was one of the men that left the nets and went to follow after Jesus. He left all and became a disciple. I wonder, are you a disciple? Are you following after the Lord Jesus tonight with everything you have? Have you laid and placed all on the altar for him tonight? 
you know, Thomas, one of the men, he was called to be a follower, and from the offset, I'll ask you, are we following him? Paul tells us, indeed, to examine yourself whether or not we be in the faith. Thomas and the other disciples were, were sold-out followers. They didn't always get it right. They often, as we know, got things wrong. But nonetheless, they were committed and followed him. Paul tells us to examine ourselves whether you be in the faith. And tonight, that's what I want to ask you. Are you doubting Thomas? Examine yourselves as to whether or not you be in the faith. But anyway, Thomas sometimes was called Didymus. <clears throat> called Didymus. Both names meaning a twin. And you know, in Scripture, he's usually paired with Matthew, as, as was one of the fishermen called to follow Christ. An ordinary man, like most of us. I want you to think about it. Like most of all the disciples, nothing was really special about Thomas. But his life changed forever when he began to follow after Jesus. We know that each disciple was unique. They differed in their roles. Some were fishermen, some were tax collectors, one was a doctor, and so on. They differed in their roles, they differed in their appearance. Not only their appearance, but they, their personality and place in society. Each man came from his own different, very different walks of life. Each had his own temperament, and we could say each one also had their own thorn in the flesh. Peter was bold and often ran ahead. Right? He was bold and often ran ahead. Dr. Luke was descriptive and had an eye for detail. Joan in the Gospel he wrote. And Thomas was careful and cautious by nature. And in today's society, and I mean, it's not fair, he's, owned the, he's, he's gone down in history as Doubting Thomas. He's earned that name, Doubting Thomas. You know, we often judge people by their mistakes. We never let them forget it. Further on, we never let the world forget it. When we think of David, we think of his sin. We forget what a great man he was in spite of his failures. When we think of Jacob, we think of how he stole his, his brother's birthright. When we think of Peter, we remember his denial. You know, the good of the good is often is often uh, often forgot about, and the bad remembered. This is what happened to Thomas. No doubt he showed great faith many times. I'm sure he did. But we remember, we remember him because of his doubts. Today when someone is sceptical, we call that person a doubting Thomas. In reality, Thomas was one of the most steadfast and loyal apostles of the twelve. It makes me think of a church. Each one of us is different in all of our different areas. Our, our, our temperaments, our personalities and, and the gift. That the Lord has given us. Yet Christ unites us and brings us all into the body of Christ. Each man and woman has a place and a job or role to do. We need to work together as each disciple was usually sent out in pairs. Each disciple was sent out in pairs to accomplish the work. I'm sure this was to encourage each other and that they could work together. And that is what we need to be doing in these days. But I'm sure in the sweep of this lockdown there will be believers questioning things. We'll be questioning things, being anxious and worried. Even when the word tells us to be careful for nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication to cast all our cares upon him, for he careth for you. Maybe we are starting to feel fearful. I don't like to use the word, but maybe we're starting to doubt. Maybe it's, it's not impossible to lose faith in these days. Just as Thomas did. If that's you, then you, at this point there is off, there is one disciple that you are like. And that's Thomas. Doubting Thomas. He is often called. 
I don't know about you, maybe it's just me, but I think we often have, all of us have our favourite disciples. But there's always one that we can relate to. One that we feel very much like. Now sometimes I think I'm like, personally I feel like I'm like Peter and the fact that he always seemed to run ahead and know best when he should have, when he should have waited and asked the Lord what to do. But nonetheless, at some point in our walk with the Lord, whether you're new in the faith or whether you're, if we could use the word of veteran, at some point we will relate back to Thomas. We will relate back to the fact that we doubted. Thomas was a twin, but you know, you could say that he was twin-minded. We could say he was twin-minded then. There was always a battle going on in his head. There was always a battle going on in his mind, raging. And that was to believe, the mind and heart, and that was the battle between belief and unbelief. And maybe that is you. Maybe in these fearful and perilous times you're sitting at home and the devil's got your mind and you're, and you're torn between this battle of belief and unbelief. You don't know what's happening. And the sweep of your, the per, you don't understand what his perfect plan is. And the sweep of this virus, let me tell you a few things. First of all, let me tell you that the Lord knows exactly what he's doing. He's still on the throne. And he hasn't forgotten about his church or he or you. You're not alone. His plans are still perfect. His promises are still true. God is still on the throne. He will remember his own. Though burdens distress us and problems depress us, he never will leave us alone. His promise is true. He will not forget you. Yes, God is still on the throne. But anyway, I want to look at three portions of scripture that John tells us about Thomas. And what we can learn. And there's a little lesson, a few different lessons in each of them that we can see about Thomas. First of all, turn with me. If you have your Bible to John, John's Gospel. Gospel according to John and, ver and chapter, chapter 11. Chapter 11, and we're going to read some verses from here. Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that saith he to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou hither again? Jesus answered, Are they not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seen the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. He may have <clears throat> then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. How be it Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest of sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. 
And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then, then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. I'll read that last little verse in verse 16 again. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Well, most of you all will know this story, one of great... Well, first, um, here we read and see one on the account of one of our Lord's greatest miracles, the rising of Lazarus from the dead after four days. What a man and what a miracle was done here in Bethany. I want to talk firstly, my first point about Thomas, there's two in this little chapter. I want to think, first of all, Thomas the Cautious. You know, Thomas the Cautious. Many call him Doubting Thomas, but it's maybe not fair for this purpose. Let's call him Cautious. When we see Jesus told Lazarus is sick and he must go, he stayed two days. And then to the disciples' horror, he decides that they must go back to Bethany and see Lazarus. You know, I'm sure that they were fearful, no, and knowing Thomas and his character, and what we know of him, he was probably very cautious. Nevertheless, Christ called him, and he left his old life to follow after him. I think it is safe to say that he wasn't the kind of man to sign a document without reading it. And his favourite phrase may have been, prove it. And maybe that's your favourite phrase. Maybe seeing is believing for you, you have to say, prove it. I think it's safe to say uh, he was definitely a man that had to have things proved for. Cautious Thomas had to know for sure his foundation. And you know, that is not so much of a bad thing. We, we, can, we, can, <coughs> we can take a couple of lessons on Thomas being cautious. You know, the Bible, in fact, urges us believers to be cautious. And you know, especially in these days, there are so many lies and fake news. And what is and what and what not? It's a, it can be hard to discern the truth. That is why the Lord gave us the scriptures to rightly divide the word of truth. We know that in the last days that many shall come and deceive many, and deceive many. Even today, there are countless ones trying to add and to take away from scripture. And if we do not know our Bibles back to front or as well as the Lord allows us to, and use it to put these things to the test. As to whether things are true, honest, just and pure, as Philippians 4 would tell us, then we are going to be deceived and tossed about on every wind of doctrine. Thomas was cautious when he came against something when he came against something he wasn't sure of. I think that's fair to a certain degree. He didn't take everything at face value, especially in these days. We, we cannot take, and as we turn on the news and look around us, it can be hard for us to take things at face value. We need to search the scripture so that we can know the truth. You know, First Timothy 4 tells us to meditate upon these things, to give thyself wholly to them. You know, to be cautious is a good way of practice. At home in lockdown, if you are fearful, then search the scriptures and begin to know them, for it's your sword. You know, Thomas was a man who needed to be sure of his ground, a foundation. You know, maybe we need to go, maybe, maybe we feel in these days our foundations are slipping. We look around us wherever we turn on the TV or perhaps maybe you're even doubting your salvation. I don't know. 
but take a leaf out of Thomas's book and be cautious. Go around your foundations. Be very sure. Lockdown could be a good time to go back around the foundations, to get back to basics. It's good to be cautious, but like Thomas, we need to be sure that it doesn't end in doubt or unbelief, which is what happened to Thomas, as we, as we will come to. And these days, we need to be like the man in Scripture who cried out, Help thou mine unbelief. You know, so much going on, we don't know what to believe. But as I have it in my hands, and I'm sure those of you who are tuning in have are following along, you have the inspired word of God. We know that it's not just some textbook. We know that it's not just some history book. We know that it's the living, inspired word of God. And remember that when you're reading it. Use it to discern things. Use it when you're feeling cautious of something, if something doesn't feel right. If you're feeling tempted. If you're feeling discouraged. If the devil's trying to whisper a lie like he did to Eve and to many others in Scripture. You know, rightly divide the word of truth. Search the Scripture so you may know what is true. Or And Jesus also says, Fear not to only believe, and she shall be made holy, told that lady in Scripture. Are we doubting or are we cautious? It's good to go to the Lord with our fears and frets, and when we feel cautious and anxious, to go to him, so that the battle of unbelief and unbelief is won over. Don't have this battle of unbelief and unbelief raging in our hearts. Thomas the cautious, it, could remi it reminds us to be sure of our foundations and to rightly divide the word of truth. So we see in this chapter Thomas the cautious, and all through these wee chapters we see him as cautious. But second of all, I want to think about Thomas the committed or courageous. Here I want to focus on what we read of in Luke chapter 11, or in John chapter 11 here in the story of Lazarus. And Thomas's statement that he was that he was willing to go with Christ even unto death. But to go over what's happening in this little chapter. Here we find Jesus in part, um, according, to jo according to John Phillips, he was in this little area called Perea. I'm not too sure how to say that, but it was a little rural area beyond the Jordan River. He and his disciples stayed here, and when they came from, when they came from Jerusalem, in Jerusalem, as we read in chapter ten, he faced much opposition. He had been watched with great opposition and suspicion by the Sanhedrin as he taught in the temple. He appeared and taught the people, telling them that he is a good shepherd. And from this resulted, as we read in chapter ten and verse thirty-one, that they took up stones to stone him. He escaped and went back to this place of safety where he's found here in chapter 11. Here we find crowds gathered around him, where he told stories of parables like the Good Samaritan, the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son, and many others. But notice then the urgent message that suddenly comes to our Lord. Lazarus is sick. He is going to die. Come quickly. But Jesus abode where he was. The disciples, I'm sure, were perhaps breathing a sigh of relief. As they had seen all that had happened in Jerusalem when they, when they when they tried to stone them. And to go back to Bethany, which wasn't so far away from Jerusalem, would be would be so so dangerous. And then to their horror, two day two days later, the Lord announces that he is going to go back to deal with Lazarus, which he, which he knew which he knew was dead. Picture the shock on their face of what's happening. They begin to try and find reasons not to go. And they start to protest. 
and was a time that certainly would have caused them to be cautious or anxious and doubt indeed because they didn't understand. But look at Thomas. This is one place where we find cautious Thomas being committed or courageous. He was committed to go with Christ to the end. Bravely Thomas breaks ranks from the disciples and tells his Lord I'm ready to go wherever the Lord wanted to go. And in doing so they witnessed one of the greatest miracles that the Lord that the Lord <coughs> the Lord did. You know, it makes me think that even when the situation seems scary or doomed to fail, and that's maybe how we're feeling, let's be like Thomas and committed to follow Christ to the end no matter what, not giving up. Not giving up. Brethren, Paul, Paul writ, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are past and pressing forward toward the things that are before. Thomas was determined and courageous and committed to press on. And today and these days, that's exactly what we need to do. We need to be able to press on. Especially today, we might feel like turning back. We may not know what lurks for us at Bethany, so to speak. But the Lord knows. It shows us that Thomas trusted him. It shows the bit of faith and trust that Thomas had in the Saviour. The Lord Jesus, he conquered death and hell on the cross of Calvary. But we can also see his power over death as well in raising Lazarus, a man who had been dead for four days, raised to life again. You know what else tells me about I'm sure Thomas was soon to learn? The sisters came with a message and maybe the disciples maybe wondered why Jesus wasn't going straight away. Yes, I'm sure they didn't really want to go, but I'm sure they wondered why Jesus didn't go. But they learned, they learned even when he was four days late that he was still on time. Don't give up. Help is on the way. Help won't help tomorrow. If you give up today, just hold on a little longer. Trust him and obey. Help is on the way. Keep praying, keep pleading, keep asking and keep knocking. But keep believing. It already being committed to him and being prepared to go through with God no matter what may come your way. You know, we could say that Jesus' delay in going to Lazarus was to encourage them, to show them a greater picture. And you know, maybe that's what he's doing. With you. Maybe that's what he's doing with us. If we're doubting, oh, believe the bigger picture. What is he trying to teach you? Obey even when the circumstances seem bleak and hopeless. You know, the two sisters simply informed Jesus about the need. You know, what else? They, they simply sent the messenger and informed him. They didn't try to tell him what to do. They didn't try to tell him or put words in his mouth. They simply brought their need or message to the Lord. And that's what we need to do. Be less doubtful, be less fearful, and simply place it all in the Lord's hands. The result of going in two days was to strengthen them. And it must have done something for Thomas to show such commitment. Doubting, yet he was devoted. Boys, I like that. He doubted, yet he was devoted. Thomas the devoted, well, Thomas the doubtful was also Thomas the devoted. Oh, I think that's a lovely picture. We may doubt in this life, in this world, and have our troubles, but let's stay devoted to him. There's a lot to be said for Thomas's loyalty. Thomas was cautious. Thomas was committed. Jump over with me just a couple of chapters to John chapter 14. 
to John chapter 14. Another really well-known passage often used to preach the gospel. But I want to talk about what it was, how it was used to strengthen Thomas. John 14 and verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whether I go ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. Here I want to talk about Thomas the concern. Here we find him concerned. Here in the upper room with Jesus and the other, and the other eleven. So much has passed from this event of Lazarus and Bethany up to the upper room. Jesus and his disciples have rode, <coughs> have rode into, into Jerusalem on a donkey with, with the crowds waving their palm trees at him, shouting Hosanna. And they know that there's, and, and, but also there's a wave of plotting and menace about trying to bring the Messiah down. Here in the upper room, we see them at Passover. And Jesus speaks to them on a subject that they still don't really understand. He tries to, he tries to tell them that he is going to die. But he is going to prepare a place for them. And that he will come again. But yet they still don't understand. Jesus said to them, whether I go, ye know, and the way ye know. And this was too much for Thomas. And he says, how can we know the way? Oh, such a sad statement from a man who had seen it all. He spoke for the twelve. They didn't really want their friend and the Lord to go and leave them. Jesus used Thomas' statement to make one of the best remarks in Scripture. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So long as the disciples knew him, they could know the way. How often do we feel like Thomas and ask God this very same question? How can we know the way? Maybe not about salvation, but maybe a believer in our everyday life or asking him, Lord, how do we know the way? But even at that, if you're tuned in, then maybe you're not seeing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing right if I didn't comment on the gospel element of this little verse. If you're tuning in and you're not seeing. Man, woman or young person, if you're tuning in and you're not seeing and you don't know how. It's found here in John 14. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. There's no other way to get to heaven, only through him. But in our day-to-day -day lives, the next step we should take is finding God's will for our lives. Should I, should, I, should I talk about this, the job that I should, should I take this job? Should I get on this, should I get into this relationship? Should I go on that mission trip? And the list goes on. Whatever it is, we can often find ourselves doubting and asking, Lord, how can I know the way? It feels like a maze from which we do not know the way out. Even in the spread of COVID-19, we could be asking, how can we know the way? And, you know, if you listen to the news and what Boris Johnson and all the different and Storm Mountain Westminster's steps to get us out of this, I can tell you, maybe it's just me, but it's as clear as mud. It's as clear as mud. But this is the case, but this is not the case with Jesus. Oh, it should still our hearts this phrase. I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
The answer to all of life's perplexing pathways is found in a man. The man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. Jesus knew the way home. In reality, Jesus was saying to Thomas, Don't let your heart be troubled. Just follow me. Don't worry about the way. If you know me, you know the way. Because I am the way. This whole thing of your life may be feel like a wilderness. And it, can, and it can leave us doubting. But remember the old hymn. And I love it. My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. Peace for today is mine all the day. And all that I need for tomorrow. I've told you about Thomas being cautious. I've told you about Thomas being committed. When he went to Bethany, willing to die with the other disciples and for his Lord. Take up your cross and follow me. And I've told you about him being concerned. But finally, I wanted, if you have your Bibles, jump over another few chapters to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. And reading from verse 19. 19. And the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he, and when he had said, so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then there were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you as my Father hath sent me. Even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see him in his hands in the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print, of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. And reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. My final little portion was that, and from the upper room we have seen the Lord betrayed in Gethsemane, tried in Gabbatha and crucified at Golgotha. But here we find the disciples certainly again assembled together. No doubt very much doubting and bewildered at the whole event. Mary and Martha come and tell the disciples that they have seen the Lord. And he says, peace be unto you. And they see what the plan was all about. That he was risen indeed. They finally, it dawns on them. They see the Lord. And they realize what it was all about. The Lord's tomb was sealed and guarded. And by evening they were in the upper room. And the Lord appeared to them. Oh, but poor old Thomas wasn't there. He appeared to them all, all except Thomas. You know, I wonder why Thomas stayed away. You know, maybe he made excuses. Maybe he made excuses. I want to talk to you about Thomas in this little bit. We've, had, we've seen Thomas as cautious, committed, <coughs> and concerned. But here I want to talk about Thomas the coward. 
Maybe Thomas came with excuses. Maybe he came. He was too overwhelmed by all that had happened. Maybe he could say to himself, I need to rest and gather my thoughts. Maybe he felt like going back to his fishing nets and throwing away everything altogether. Or, or, or imagine, or I can't imagine a meeting with Jesus not being there. I'm sure when he realized all that had happened to the other 11, he felt like quite the fool. For Karen, and what can we learn from this? Well, we can miss something big when we stay away. We can miss the Lord when we feel like giving up. You know, we can miss his presence, no doubt. We can keep on going back to the place. But we, what we ought to do is to keep on going back to the place where he shows his face. Don't let the devil fill your head with excuses or failure. You know, failure is not final. Praise the Lord, it's not. Failure is not final. Go to the upper room where the other 12 are, so to speak. Wherever he meets you. And don't be caught out like hiring Thomas. Stay loyal and stay true, even when events seem the worst in the world. And when events seem all that is all, hope is gone. Thomas carried away and tried to find excuses. And you know, as well as that, we can find that even when the other 11 came and told them of everything that happened, Thomas says to them, except I shall see his hands. And it's, I will not believe. Even seeing, is, seeing was believing for poor old Thomas. Go to the upper room. Go to where he will meet you. And don't come away and lock down. Don't forsake your quiet time. Don't forsake the place where he, where he shows up. And such I hasten to the place where God my Saviour shows his face. And gladly take my station there. Sweet hour of prayer. He was cacared, but in this chapter we also see Thomas' confession. Be not faithless, but believing was the word that Jesus gave him. Thomas utterly refused to believe the resurrection. Even after the other disciples told him that they had seen the Lord, Thomas said, Except I shall see him in his hands and the print of his nails, I will not believe. Thomas had to see for himself. He was the last to concede the resurrection of Christ from the dead. You know, have you doubted? Are you doubting, Thomas? Most of us have been. You know, the psalmist could cry out, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me in Psalm 13? There's a, you know, there's a difference between honest, honest and dishonest doubters. Some people just do not want to believe. They prefer a life of ungodliness. And if you're listening tonight and tuning in, I'm sure that's not you, but you never know. This was not the spirit of Thomas. Thomas wanted to wanted to believe. He want, Christ blames no one for wanting to be sure. Jesus did not condemn Thomas for his doubts. Because the Lord man looketh on the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. Jesus did not condemn him. Jesus knew that once Thomas fought his way through the wilderness of his doubts, he would be he would be the surest man on earth. You know, the Bible never tells us you must not have doubts, but rather you must struggle through your doubts until you reach certainty. But it also says that I will be with you through it all, that you may know the certainty of these things. 
Well, Jesus appeared again and said to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hand. Jesus spoke to him as a disciple whose faith was simply weak, not as one with an evil heart of unbelief. And from that, as Christ came tenderly to him, Thomas's answer was immediate. He fell down at Jesus' feet and exclaimed with a warm, passionate cry, My Lord and my God. His doubts vanished in the presence of the living Christ. And you know, in the midst of in the midst of it all, Thomas has given assurance to the world his confession was noble. In fact, made of any of the twelve during the time when they were with Jesus. You know, the great the greatest doubter attained the fullest and firmest belief. Thomas declared his belief in the mirac in the miraculous by proclaiming the one who <clears throat> the one who was dead is alive. This one who was crucified has become my Lord. And I love that little phrase, my Lord and my God. And you know, today, if you're fearful and fret and go back to that, if he's, if he's saved you, if he's redeemed you, redeemed you, if your sins are under the blood, he's your Lord and your God as much as he is mine. And we can take heart in that. You know, we have seen, and we... Thomas confessed that he had seen the Lord when he was face to face. But you know, First Peter 1 and verse 8 says, Having having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. We haven't seen him the way Thomas did. But we know he is alive. Because of what he has done for us, he has transformed us. He has answered prayer and his presence continues with us daily. He may as well be right in front of us. He may as well be sitting beside us, for his presence goes with us. Thomas had to see the Lord, Lord's hands, and you know, one day we will see them. In, we will see him in glory. I shall know him by the print of the nails in his hands. Let that give you a hope. Let that give you an encouragement that one day we will know, see him in glory. No doubt, Jesus had to be made real to Thomas. You know, this lockdown, maybe he has to become real to you. I trust he will. You know, Thomas, his heart was won over and he cried, my Lord and my God. You know, I love that. He placed Jesus at the centre of his life. Thomas's faith became vibrant. Tradition tells us that he took the gospel to India. I, if that's true, I'm sure this, he told others of the one who had risen from the dead. The one who could show up through walls, through walls and stand right in front of him. And he still bears the print of the nails in his hands. And he is now in heaven preparing a place for them that love him. All of his doubts are replaced with certainties. You know, remember, and I'll leave this little verse with you. Remember that we walk by faith and not by sight. Do you have doubts this, this evening? The bit, you know, the, bit, the best thing you know right now is where you are. Stay faithful, keep trusting, following, serving him and praying. God will reveal himself. He will show you the nail prints, just like he did Thomas. He will show you the nail prints. There we know. Thomas was, Thomas was cautious. Be sure your foundations and rightly divide the word of truth. Thomas was committed. He was able to go to Bethany with his Lord even to death. Thomas, although he was concerned and asked, how can I know the way, Jesus reassured him. Thomas, unfortunately, was a, was a coward and made excuses for not going to the upper room. Don't make excuses. And finally, Thomas was had confessed that Jesus was his Lord. 
confesseth today. Let him be made known, let him reveal himself to you in a special way over this lockdown. Amen. I trust the Lord's spoken to you and keep safe, keep praying, and hopefully it'll not be too long until we're meeting each other again back in the lifeboat. Amen.